Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Happy New Year. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 16, which is titled Fate. The episode aired on February 20th, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week? 24. You got your way, finally, again. 24 years ago, today. Time is a flat circle. Nothing is real. Um, After a successful four-month trial in Baltimore, Maryland, the Federal Communications Commission opens up the use of the 311 telephone number for non-emergency calls nationwide. Chicago would implement their version of the service in 1999, as the number became a one-stop shop for all city services calls, reporting potholes, tree removal, broken sidewalks, etc., and non-emergency police calls. Have you used 311? Oh yeah, uh, Chicago has that app. Remember? Are you the Are you the one who always reports the potholes? Uh, I mean, if I walk by them, then yeah, I check. <laughs> yes, I'm just saying su- potholes suck no matter if you have a car or not. I'm just saying I know I had talked to somebody recently about that app, and I feel like yeah. it was probably you. I have reported the broken sidewalk, like on our side of the street that like we're the, on. Like that, the roots come up under. Yeah, I have yeah. reported that like six times, and each time it's been like, oh. Eh. So I I've, don't know. I've but almost I broken my neck. I have gotten two street signs fixed now, thanks to it. So you're a neighborhood superhero. Lizzie. You know what? I try. <laughs> I appreciate it because I don't do that, and you help beautify our neighborhood. So thanks. Um, Barry Bonds signs a then record-breaking $22.9 million two-year contract with the San Francisco Giants, and still is not in the Hall of Fame because he's a dope, <laughs> or he took dope. <laughs> Why not both? To put this in uh, context, even though it is a different sport, uh, but just because it's a two-year contract, LeBron James just signed a two-year, I think, eighty-five million dollar contract recently. So, I mean, I know Bro. inflation. I know inflation uh, plays a little bit of a role in that, but like, damn, who like, needs that much money? Yeah, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> if you I mean, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, I will happily take it. But you couldn't spend that in your lifetime. That's what I'll say. That's why I'll. If you if you do play your cards right, and you're a professional sports player, you have generational wealth because of that. Not just yeah. uh, not just through your lifetime. Your, like, your grandchildren don't have to work. Yeah, you have John Carter money. <laughs> wait, wait to loop it back in. Um, the Rebel Alliance scores a hat trick as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope retains the number one spot at the box office. And the Brits have invaded again as Wannabe by Spice Girls takes number one spot on the music charts. I have arrived. <laughs> this is Spice uh, World uh, later this year, right? Yep. 97? Yeah. I love that movie, unironically. I've seen it several times. It's been many years, though, so I feel like a rewatch might be in yeah. order. The last time I saw it, it was rented from Blockbuster. That's, that's how long ago it was. That's not true. You watched it at my apartment. Oh with shit! Me and I'm Steph. sorry. I th- I'm pretty sure I was drunk, but you probably were. <laughs> but you still watched it when we started dating because I was living with Steph. That's true. So for what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., Friends concluded their two-part episode from last week, uh, the one, the one with the morning after, part two of two. Uh, this is if you were listening last week. This is the episode, the two-part episode where Ross and Rachel famously take a break. Uh, at 8.30 p.m., The Single Guy checks in with the episode Big Baby. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld had The Pothole. And at 9.30, uh, The Naked Truth with The Dating Game. This week's episode had 33.8 million viewers tuning in, down just slightly from the 35-point-ish million we had for last week's episode. 
Uh, this week's episode is directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his second of 40 episodes that he would do. Uh, previous one we talked about of his this season was Night Shift. And this week's episode is written by our very own John Wells, showrunner. And this week we have our previously on by, uh, done by Benton. And we open the episode with Carol waking up in just the goddamn coziest looking bed I've ever seen. Like, this was the best bed to see as we have incoming snow tonight here in Chicago. I was just like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm already planning my my bedtime to be after fair. we're done recording. I'm always planning my bedtime. Yeah, I was going to say that, and also our bed's pretty damn cozy, too. Let me, let me beat you all to it. I am always planning my bedtime. Yeah, and she has a firefighter t-shirt on, leftover from Shep. I was wondering if that was the continuity there. Hmm. If it but is, it's mo- very subtle. But her mom's there, and they have a conversation, so let's listen to that. Oh, did I wake you? What are you doing? I'm making you breakfast. Where's the coffee? How are you feeling? Sleeping okay? Like a baby. No nightmares. No. It would only be natural. Mom, I see worse stuff at work every day. Today's the big day, right? The test? No, find out about your job, Mom. They suspended me. I might not get my job back. Those eggs done? No, still too runny. I like runny. Another couple minutes. What test? Medical school admissions test, Mom. I thought you gave up on that. No. (laughs) Big commitment. Here we go. Perfect. Doctor, that would be something. I could do it. I know you could. I could. I said so. Why do you always do that? Do what? Make me feel like I'm incapable, stupid. I said I thought you could do it. I just wish that for once you would believe in me. I believe in you. You're always criticizing, belittling, making me feel like I can't do anything. That's not true. Why didn't you ever tell me I could be a lawyer or a pilot or a damn astronaut? You wanted to be an astronaut? No, but I wanted you to tell me I could. Fine, go be an astronaut. I'm your mother. I love you, whoever you are. Doctor, nurse, housewife. Oh, right. Housewife. You hold you back, not me. You're the one that always quits everything. Always frightened that you're not good enough. I finish things. Ballet, cheerleading, uh, the flute. I was 13. Business school, uh, your own wedding. I finished nursing school, didn't I? Right, exactly. You've got a great job you're good at. So why is the grass suddenly greener? You have a good life. I'm proud of you. Why aren't you proud of yourself? I want to know, that first half of Carol's little freak out there, that's what we call projecting, kids. (laughs) Yeah, way to pick at that, what, two-year-old at this point, Scab? Their mom? Like, jeez, yikes. Maybe she figures Carol's past it enough where she can start picking at it. I guess. I mean, she's still kind of, kind of, kind of mean. Yeah, very, not very mom, not very maternal behavior there. But also, hey, someone not being able to finish things. (laughs) I have never related to a character more in my life. (laughs) It's amazing we're still going with this. (laughs) Which thank you all for your support over the last over the last year and year and a quarter. How long? How the fuck long have we been doing this now? Uh, Year and a quarter. Year and a quarter. 
Yeah, close to that. And just, we're we're gonna drag you kicking and screaming for fifteen say, seasons. <laughs> we're in it. You're in it now. Yeah, this is uh, sixty. Is this sixty two or sixty three? You said sixty three. Sixty three of three hundred thirty one. So we're Jesus in the home Christ. stretch. <laughs> Jesus Christ, people! Hope everybody uh, brought snacks. Um, so then we get Benton chasing Carla down um, by the L and apologizing that he hasn't called. And Carla wants no part of his bullshit. She does not want to talk to him at all. And Benton is trying to own up to responsibility for the baby. And he's offering money to, you know, help the kid out. Like, I'll be there. I'll I'll do him right and everything. Um, I'll, let me rephrase that. I'll do right by him. So, yeah, Benton's trying to do the right thing. And he asks if she, she's seeing someone else, which she dodges again and... She makes a comment like, you know, he'll have a man to call dad or something like that. And so he's like, are you seeing someone else? She dodges it. And she says, you care about you, but that's the way it has always been. And we were trying to figure out what stop they were at because this whole time we hadn't seen a platform (laughs) sign. And then all of a sudden, after that you care about you line, we go back to Benton and the Chicago stop sign is just magically there. Yeah, just (laughs) magically appears out of nowhere, like... You see Benton's face and then some buildings in the background. And then you see different buildings in the background in the Chicago stop <laughs> And when you, we cut back to him. When they didn't frame it as him having walked anywhere at all. So it was just like, Ugh. that's a blunder. But so we're back at the Chicago L stop. And I cannot wait to take Daniel there on our field trip when mm-hmm. he comes into town. And then we are in with the bangs. And we get back into the episode with uh, Benton. It's his first day back after surgery. Yay! Uh, Carter's being so cute and hounding him and everyone, everyone around him wants to see the scar. <laughs> um, Carter, after Benton walks away, Carter's like, good thing I took pictures and just whips <laughs> out a bunch of pictures out of his pocket and says, Ooh, that's a picture. That's Benton's appendix in a jar on my mantle. That's some serial killer behavior right there. I mean, kinda. I love the gear that Carter has found since uh, the Appy episode. Like, I yes. love, I love where he's at that, that headspace he's in. I want to stay with this Carter for a while. Uh, so we go from there. We, we do find out that the uh, surgical interns are still covering Gantt's shifts. So we are still sort of dealing with the last little bits of matriculation from uh, the Gantt storyline. Uh, we also find out that the nurse contract expires at midnight and they're still at the negotiating table. Uh, the nurses uh, are hopeful that something will get worked out because they do not want to have to walk the picket line in February. And being that it's Chicago, I do not blame them. Nope. Not in the slightest. 10 degrees at least in February. Bunch of snow. No If thanks. you're lucky. <laughs> but we then cut over from there to what is pretty much our patient for the episode, one of the signature patients for this episode, a 37-year-old patient with Down syndrome, uh, a young lady named Louise, um, played by an actress actually named Louise. Louise Brown was her name. Uh, this is her only acting role. Uh, but uh, she's in for respiratory issues. A uh, very sweet uh, girl. The the EMT bringing her in says she's very sweet. Uh, scared, held her held his hand the whole way over. Uh, so Mark has Chuni hold Louise's hand while he's examining her, and uh, she pulls down her oxygen mask so that she can uh, talk to Mark. And she's asking for her mom, who is uh, following the ambulance in the car behind with the rest of her things. So. We'll, we'll stick with Louise and mom for uh, the majority of this episode. Very, very sweet girl here. Yeah, I was really concerned about how this story was going to be handled, and I was relatively glad they managed it the way they did. I definitely got this mixed up with another episode 
and I'm not sure if it's one we've seen already or one I'm just misremembering from later on. I don't know where, that we've I don't know that we've dealt with any uh, Down syndrome I, patients. I I yet. don't know if it's a patient with Downs even necessarily. Oh, okay. It might it it's just I remember I remember like a little girl getting no I'm mixing it up with um just an episode where where a parent figure abandons their child saying like oh yeah I'll follow right behind and then doesn't come back. Ah, uh, so that might be Tatiana. You're thinking that, of? that's that could very well be, which is like I don't know why that's what it reminded me of. But when they said, "Oh yeah," the mom said she'd follow behind in the ambulance or follow behind. I was just like, "Oh no," because <laughs> that's where I thought the trajectory of this episode was going. Not that it goes somewhere much better, but as far as shitty people, this sure. one's not as bad. Um, but then we have. Nurse Admin Mary talking to Carol, read the incident report, and Carol gets to go back to work starting today if she wants, and she only gets docked three weeks vacation time to use for the time that she was suspended. So, like, and there's a note in her chart for the next year, but other than that, no real disciplinary action is being taken on her. And then we have Greg complaining about La Boheme? How, how do we say it? La Boheme? La Boheme, I think. is Yeah. About going to the opera with Jeannie and how he doesn't want to go and they should rather, or he would rather go and like watch football and cook them dinner and hang out or order takeout and hang out at his place. And Jeannie's like, oh, it sounded spontaneous and romantic and fun. And Greg's like, the opera? Fun? So he he's just being a regular old Joe here with this thing and just he does not want to go to the opera for his lady. But I love the sass that Jeannie gives to him this whole episode. Like, I ship it so hard. And Lauren, it's a New Year's miracle. Tell me. Share with me. What's the, what's the miracle? The films on the trauma room board are actually the patients. <laughs> <sighs> I can rest now. <laughs> 2021 is brought in right, folks. It's a it's a new year. Uh, but Mark and Doyle are examining Louise's films on the actual light board. Um, she has an enlarged heart, and Louise's mom has finally shown up. Her heart, Louise's heart, is not pumping very well. Her lungs are starting to fill with fluid. Uh, mom asks if mom gives her uh, Louise a quilt and a doll from home. And uh, Mark asks if Louise is suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's because she couldn't understand him earlier. And uh, turns out they know about the the enlarged heart. And, you know, they tried to get her on the the UNOS list, the register, for to get a, a heart transplant. And the doctors wouldn't put her on that list because of the Down syndrome. Which is technically illegal, if I recall. I didn't look into the legality of it, but... Or he said something like she can't be turned down just because of the Down syndrome. It was something like that. Yeah, there was definitely a legality element to it. Um, but yeah, Mom here is played by an uh, actress named Louise Latham. Um, pretty good actress. Like she did a really good job in this episode, I thought. Um, but she has appearances in films like Marnie, The Philadelphia Experiment, Love Field, and uh, the uh, TV series The X-Files. She had 112 credits to her name in total and uh, passed away, unfortunately, in 2018, which, you know, given her age in this episode, like, oh, wow. good on you, lady, for listing all the way till 2018. And I also want to note this is, uh, we do see in this scene, the first appearance of Dr. Kaysen since Make of Two Hearts in season one. So almost two full seasons it's been since the last time yeah. we saw this guy. I think the last time we did see him was 
the episode where he's like all sweet on Susan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. That was the but last yeah. time. But yeah, he is here to give a consult to Mark, and that's how they find out about the transplant rejection from previous yeah. attempts. Very, yeah. very nice continuity bit there. Like I think yeah. we I think we touched on that when he first popped up in season one. That like there was this sort of tier of character like that, like um, Coburn with Ob and the pathologist down in the morgue and the social worker. Like there's just this tier of characters that never really gets much of anything to do, but they would go through the trouble of having the same doctor pop up every single time to do the same serve the same functions really nice yep um before we carry on i just want to make a note for sort of content warning for throughout this episode they will occasionally use the now very outdated r word to describe louise and her condition but Um, it's never in like ha she's such an r word. no but i'm just saying it's more yeah anyway but i'm just saying it can be a little jarring with our 2021 lens to hear it and just oh yeah it was yeah. it was jarring watching it so yeah so but yeah so we go from there to uh hicks welcoming peter back uh he's surprised not to see his name on the surgery schedule and hicks is this is the first time she's had a chance to really grill him one-on-one and so she's you know asking if he's got any if he's suffering from depression of any kind and you know benton's trying to to duck the question as much as possible and she's like I'm, he's like are you asking if i'm competent to fulfill my duties and she's like i'm asking how you are you freak like <laughs> i'm trying Talk to have a normal, feelings i'm trying to have a normal human conversation with you <laughs> you know how are you and you know he's he's just you can tell he's not comfortable still not comfortable talking about his emotions yet uh but so she gets him on a mole removal surgery which sounds just mm. great for ben he's got ego. he's got some great ones this episode he really does the 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 comedy beat a little bit later in the episode is, uh, I, I think, an underrated one. Uh, but after that, we go back down to the ER and some, uh, well, Doyle is just, Doyle is just pissed off at the whole situation about the UNOS list. And she has some words, so let's listen to those. UNOS can't refuse to put her on the list just because she has sounds. I'm sure there are other mitigating circumstances. She's a retard, so I bought it, right? Dr. Kaysen. Dr. Doyle? Echo shows left ventricular dilatation with an ejection fraction of 18%. There are also signs of wall motion abnormality. I'm worried about her breathing. We've given her 40 Lasix. She's still struggling. I'd like to try a vasodilator. Sure. Do whatever you can to make her comfortable before you release her. Release her? I'm sure Louise will be much happier at home with her mother. She needs a heart transplant, right? That would be the standard operative course, yes. Luis's mother uh, told us that she's not on the transplant list. That's correct. Yunos can't refuse to put a dying patient on the list because of a congenital birth defect. Yunos didn't refuse to put her on the list. We did. Cardiology. Mm, hospital transplant committee. She was evaluated, and we chose not to submit her name to Yunos. That's a death sentence. She is a 37-year-old Downs patient. She's lucky to have lived this long. Downs patients can live into their 60s easy. That's extremely rare. What are you, an intern? First-year resident, yes. Why don't we just step in here? Dr. Kaysen, Dr. Doyle, I think, is just expressing a frustration that we probably all feel. It seems that Louise would be an obvious candidate for the UNOS transplant list. I'm a cardiologist. I'd like nothing better than to give her a new heart. If you have a problem with the decision, take it up with the rest of the committee. Short of that, 
send her home. Nice guy. Okay, so I was wrong. This is where we get Kazan. Yeah, yeah, we we all kind of we all kind of made a blunder on that one, but well, we're all fired for that blunder. So, yep. good night, everyone. <laughs> Show's over. But yeah, how do we not knowing what we know about Doyle's family yet? How do we feel about her patient advocacy here? She's kind of pulling a Doug Ross. Yeah, it's, I mean that's kind of been her brand since she arrived. Yeah. Is that she's a Doug in training? You know, she's very much that same sort of doctor you know she's fierce patient advocacy oftentimes at odds yeah oftentimes (laughs) to a fault like at odds with her own goals which i think is a a sentiment that i'm paraphrasing mark but like that's kind of what he tells her later in the episode and uh so yeah i mean it it makes sense in the larger context later on but here it's just seems like to me more of the same yeah um, but then we get some, some good news. Halle is yelling and celebrating with the nurses that Carol is back. And Jerry does this cute little, like, hand wave wiggle thing at Carol to wave and welcome her back. And it's the sweetest thing. And Halle's like, well, I didn't do too bad. And they're like, oh, no, girlfriend, you did worse than bad. Like, <laughs> welcome back, Carol. Halle was terrible. Please, please don't leave us again. You're wonderful. Um, so, yay, Carol's back. And then we go, Carter is examining a woman with sharp abdominal pain. And this one is kind of, she's she's mostly complaining of abdominal pain. Carter seems to think it's surgical, but he needs a second opinion. So we're going to see how that goes for Carter a little bit later on. But right now he seems kind of stumped and a little bit sleepy. He's, he's clearly been working a lot covering all those Gantt shifts. Yeah, I think uh, Mark remarked early on in the episode that he was doing about a 90 hour a week and something like some, that 90 yeah. or 95 hour week so carter's a bit tired i'd rather just drop dead thanks <laughs> <laughs> and uh our patient here mrs jarnowski is played by an actress uh i think she's our high watermark actress for the episode for number of credits uh, marianne i'm gonna completely butcher this last name mullerly is what i'm gonna guess it is it's very long and very um i'm gonna butcher it i'm gonna butcher my interpretation of it and you can cut this because i don't need anybody here but no i'm not gonna do it never mind because i'm thinking like mueller like mueller and then like lyle yeah but saying that all together is way too hard so i don't know but so yeah marianne mueller lyle muellerly she's she has a very long last name leave it at that uh, but she was had a, a very prolific career. She appeared in films like The Terminator, Return to Me, and Smoking Aces, among many others. A total of 230 credits to this actress's name. Good for her. I, I, I believe she's still pretty active. Like I think she had credits uh, up through like 2019. If I had my phone with me, I would do a Google and see the eight things that I recognized her from. But it's fine. Uh, but for now, we go back over to uh, Luis and sweetest young lady shares her shares her barbie with mark and remarks that she does not like ken because ken is too pretty i think we can all agree with that (laughs) relatable um she is has a turns out she had an apartment above the garage she had a job at jewel uh, which is local which is an illinois grocery store chain um she was an altar girl and everyone loves her and i would like to note that this actually is um a thing I worked at uh, worked for Jewel in the suburbs for five years, and I encountered many uh, fellow employees that had different 
either downs or other developmental issues or otherwise had had issues but developmentally delayed. yeah and you know for the most part they were the sweetest people you would ever meet in your entire life and like anytime one of them would mess up and a customer would get angry all of us would just be like don't touch our cinnamon rolls don't don't <laughs> don't do it we'll fight you lady yeah like how bad of a day or how bad of a person do you have to be to get mad and get mad at any retail worker let alone somebody who's um, developmentally delayed. Like, what kind of person takes it out on... Oh, there was this one woman, I forget her name, but Jesus Christ, every single time she came into the store, we all just kind of clenched up. And, like, I was like, can I go take my break now so I don't have to ring her out? <laughs> she was the pickiest... Li- uh, she was the pickiest bitch I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. And, like... She would uh, like she would like bark orders at whoever was bagging her groceries, be it either the cashier because there was no because there was no bagger, or it doesn't matter if it was one of our cinnamon rolls. Yeah, one of our cinnamon rolls. <laughs> so that, um, and if you got anything wrong, like one time, like I vividly remember one time, one of the people, well, we had one of my coworkers who had downs, you know, broke her eggs, but on on accident because he's because because he set the them down a little bit too hard right. in her cart you know eggs are fragile whatever it can happen and she just started screaming at him my manager kicked her out and it was there she, you go they didn't like ban her but like this this has been shopping the tone with elizabeth <laughs> yeah if you yell at people with downs or others or other similar issues fuck you stop listening to our podcast and go to hell but anyway uh but uh mark and doyle get the list of uh, the actual like transplant committee members and uh, Mark tells Doyle that her attitude could get in the way. So Mark will handle trying to coax the other folks to, uh, <laughs> <coax> the other <laughs> folks. to, uh, to see the, to see the error of their ways possibly. Yep. Um, but then we have Doug asking Carol if she's going to take her MCAT test tonight. And I just love how much their friendship has developed so much. Yeah. Like, I know we've been saying this a lot lately, but Doug has been there for her without ulterior motives. Like, he genuinely just seems to care about her. And, like, he's gotten over the weird creeper stuff. And he's just there for her. And it's wonderful to see. Amazing what you can do with a little bit of organic character building. Yeah, you think? Not forcing it. So then we go back to Carter's mystery patient. Uh, The consult shows up, and it is Anspa instead of Hicks. Dun-dun-dun. And he's brought the entire surgical uh, team down with him, all the students. And uh, Anspa kind of schools Carter in front of everyone, and Carter has to try to defend his decision for a console, which Anspa summarily dismisses uh, and basically just says, this lady's, you know, fat, and she just ate a greasy meal, and it's her fault that her tummy hurts. Goodbye. It's very dismissive. And this is why... As a person of larger carriage, I get so stressed out about going to the doctor for anything because I think they're just going to tell me it's because I'm heavy. I Which, luckily... They, I would hope they'd have a little more tact than uh, Anspa has here. Some doctors I've had have legitimately blamed any complaint I have on my weight. Mm. Some that I have now are great, and they actually like look into what might be wrong. And some doctors shouldn't be practicing medicine. And that's also very <laughs> true. Like those who don't believe in covid anyway 2021 new energy let's go Woohoo! vaccine on the way um but uh 
after that, uh, we have our next audio for you. Mark goes up to talk to Miss Nina Pomerantz about the, about the transplant committee, because it turns out she's on it. Is Dr. Pomerantz available? And you are? Mark Green from the ER. She knows you. Yeah, Steph, I do. It's okay. Hi. Hi. You got a minute? Sure. I'll just move those, put them anywhere. <laughs> what can I do for you? You're on the committee that evaluates prospective transplant patients? Yeah. I have a patient dying downstairs, Louise Cupertino. Dr. Kaysen tells me that she was denied access to the UNOS list. Yeah. Kaysen says he wanted to do it, so it doesn't sound like she was excluded for medical reasons. What do you want, Mark? There are five people on the committee. Kaysen's already a yes. If I can get you and one other person to sign on, Louise can get a new heart. Our decisions have to be unanimous. Hmm. But I'm the one that turned Louise down. Why? Do you know how many people die each year because an organ doesn't become available for transplant? 3,500. She had a job, an apartment, a mother who loves her. Is her life somehow less valuable than a businessman with a wife and kids and a two-pack-a-day cigarette habit? Don't patronize me, Mark. I agonized over this. Louise has an IQ of 40. She can't comprehend the surgical risks. Yes, she had a job, sure, but she was always late. Do you know why? Because she doesn't know how to tell time. How is she going to adhere to the rigors of the post-transplant regime? Her mother will make sure she gets her meds, get her where she needs to go. She's a 120-pound, 8-year-old Mark. We do the operation, assuming she doesn't die for lack of post-operative care. She's in a state home in two years. And her mother is adamant she not end up in a home. Those are all bureaucratic, perfectly logical reasons we give ourselves so that we can sleep at night. Louise can make people smile. She can laugh, cry, touch, hold someone. I have an eight-year-old, and if she never grew a day older, I would still cherish every moment we spent together. It's not our place to decide whether Louise lives or dies. She's, she has as much right to be here as you do or I do. Nina, don't let her die. That's an impossible situation that I would never want to be put in. And that's exactly why it makes for good TV, is they yeah, both have valid points. I know, and I hate that they both have valid points. That's where the tension comes from. <laughs> And for all y'all who say death panels don't exist. Ugh. Yikes. All right, I'm done. I was, I, so just on, as far as like character work here, was anybody else surprised at how like unhostile Nina was to Mark here? Like just on, on site, like they, 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 I mean, I get it's a professional, like he's calling it a professional context here, but like the last time we saw her, she was you know, pissed at him for the whole three dates at once thing. and Well, I think it helps that they hadn't actually gone on their date yet. So she was just like, oh, you're gross. Instead of, oh, you broke my heart. Fair. Two, she's like, what do you want, Mark? Like, she kind of starts with that, like. A little bit, yeah. So I think they I think they continue it. But yeah, we, we typically, from Mark's interaction with women, we expect her to be much icier. Yeah. In, in, um, in consequence that, than she that is. That whole, like kerfuffle blew up in his face so spectacularly a few episodes ago that i i I guess i was just expecting more vitriol from her side but yeah or maybe she's an adult and realizes she's gonna have to keep working with him and has moved on maybe so plus he he's got her little rubber band so he can just snap it (laughs) so it's fine but yeah that's i think that's a really good scene performed very well by both of them and i love how mark's like nope that's just what we tell ourselves so we can sleep it's shitty so then we get a beautiful scene of Greg and Jeannie 
having a winter picnic in the park and Jeannie is complaining that she is freezing and all of their food is frozen and they can't really enjoy it because everything's frozen and it's 10 degrees outside and they're just the cutest. I'm going to keep saying it and I'm going to keep wishing that it kept going, but Jeannie makes poor life choices and mm, so do we all. But Greg propositions that they start sleeping together and he does it in the most casual yet smooth way ever. Just sex. I think we should have some. In fact, I think we should have a lot. Jeannie Boulay, would you please sleep with me? And it's great. And it's just like, he's so smooth and I love him. And why can't they just work? Why? Well, at least hopefully they're going to fuck. So, (laughs) But they're not. Because later in the episode, she asks if they can slow down. That's true. Yeah, I don't remember how this fizzles out, but I, I do. I'm I'm bummed that it doesn't because they really do have it's, some solid chemistry. It's gonna be soon though, because it's only he only you said he and when he debuted he only had six appearances and that was like what two three episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, he only had six appearances total, and I want to say this is his third or maybe even his fourth. Yeah, I think it might be his fourth. But yeah, yeah. he's just this actor's just so good, and they're so good together. And Jeannie deserves the best, and he's wonderful, and just, mm, it's not fair. Damn you, writers. Damn you. Damn you. So we go out of that. We go back to Carter reviewing his mystery patient. Uh, his uh, Her pain has worsened. Uh, she Her daughter Yolanda has shown up, and she points out, as Carter's doing his exam of her, she's very responsive to pain um, in the abdomen, like more so than she was earlier. And uh, her daughter points out that she's usually very stoic when it comes to pain, and so it's unusual for her to react so dramatically. So if she's reacting like this, it must be really bad. So this is going to play into Carter's evaluation and how the events unfold with this. So we'll, we'll circle back to that a little bit later, but we go from there into our tried and true comedy beat of the episode. I would say Benton doing a circumcision. There's a gentleman here who is converting to Judaism for his fiance um and i believe if Ans- is it anspa again that brings in or is it hicks that brings in the whole like students oh, medical students to watch. or something yeah to like i think it's hicks i think it's hicks yeah she brings in a group of students to observe uh, and everything and, and benton just does this very droll very dry explanation of what it is he's doing and like i just it's very good work from uh eric lasalle here like he's really he will... just laying it was on that thick. was that here or was that at, when he's doing the porticath later it's one or the other. I can't right. I can't remember, but uh, in any event, the patient here is played by an actor named Charlie Dell, who had appearances in movies like Bubble Boy, She's All That, Fight Club, and Liar Liar. And uh, Doug got paged up to the Peds ward. Uh, is it Peds ICU or is it? It's, I think it's just the Peds ward at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, pediatric ward and about Jed. Uh, today is Jad's 18th birthday and he wants off his ventilator as is his right uh, and requests Doug be the one to to remove the tube uh, yeah so yeah his first act as an 18 year old was to sign a DNR was to sign an official DNR and request to be removed from the machine uh, Doug asks you know Doug to his credit does it he asks the mom and the mom and Katie who are there with Jad um if they said their goodbyes first, you know, it's, he's like, likely not to last longer than a, than a few minutes. And uh, we see Jad's, we go to Jad's point of view as, and theirs as he struggles to breathe. And, but he's breathing. He's still, he's still kicking. And Katie, you know, I can imagine it's, it's traumatic to see your, your partner go through something like this, but asked if he'll be okay. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I would say naively asks if he'll be okay. It's almost almost as dumb as the recent Mandalorian episode where the guy asked someone from Alderaan if guy asked someone from Alderaan if they lost anyone. Is that a is that like a spoiler thing? Do we have to worry about that? Or? Uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be January. It'll have been out for a month. Yeah, but go watch Mandalorian, folks. Just so you can hear Lizzie complain about it on the lounge. Ugh. Saturday's just gonna be you and Jake bitching about the Mandalorian all episode. That's really what it's gonna turn into. Yeah. This is patreon.com slash the town podcast for our best of twenty twenty. I was gonna say this is creating an especially strange time portal because <laughs> that episode will that, be old by the time they're hearing this episode. Like <laughs> I can't keep I can't keep it straight. Oh my god. Uh, um time. The holidays, folks. <laughs> Um, but then we have Hicks comes down to check on Carter's patient and Hicks is like, did you get a consult on this already? Did you talk to, and she, he's like, yeah, I had Anspa look at it. Here's what he said. And I disagree. And Hicks has Hale page Anspa. Carter re-explains his side of the diagnosis and thinks she's, that this woman has thrown an embolism. And once Carter goes through everything, Anspa's like, ah, oh, shit hands his sandwich dramatically to Dale <laughs> and he's like all right we got to get this woman out to surgery now Carter you're gonna perform the embolectomy let's go it's just like I love that he just walks downstairs with a sandwich to be like what's this fucker want this time I know like it's kind of a little bit of a bait and switch too like he starts out very blustery like when Hick, mm-hmm. when when Hicks comes in and she's like well Dr. Carter thinks you misdiagnosed this patient he's like he what like he starts yeah. out very like the, the, the fuck I did I, I love at the end though when he and Carter's like wait I get to do it and he's like yeah apparently you're the only one who recognizes an embolus around here let's go yeah like he switches like on a dime and I really appreciate that like as a bit of a character wrinkle yeah. from Anspot like he's like he's adept and open to criticism like it's yes. yeah we 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 haven't gotten to see a lot of that from him so it's nice to see him actually interact with the doctors here in a like administrative setting more so than just what do we do about our hiv positive staff member yeah it's really really good like mm, like like it's it's such a it's such a subtle quick little blink and you miss it line but it adds so much but uh we go from there back to louise we see her playing jenga with doyle's little brother jimmy which is just a talk about like double dose of sweetness here um Suddenly, this kind of suddenly puts uh, Doyle's attitude from earlier into a lot more context, obviously. Um, Nina uh, comes in uh, with the paperwork to get Louise onto the transplant list. Obviously, what Mark said to her earlier re- uh, resonated with her somewhat. Uh, so, and, and when she comes in, too, like, she kind of, she has some level of recognition with Louise and her mother. Like, they may not... She, she doesn't remember them or she doesn't like there's no like big introduction or anything like it's the first time they're meeting or anything um but there's just like a little bit of unspoken tension between her and the mother like she doesn't even like go over and shake the mother's hand like she just kind of waves at her from across the room mm-hmm. so that, again nice little subtle character work there and uh jimmy doyle here is played by uh, an actor named blair williamson who had appearances in csi nip tuck and scrubs and then we go right out of that into uh, back up to Doug and Jad. And uh, so forget that whole uh, he's only going to last a couple minutes thing. He's made a miraculous recovery because now not only is he breathing on his own, but he's out of bed and he's dressed. Like, he's made a complete and total recovery in the span of about five minutes after they said he would. Big, he would, big fuck. He would last Big a fuck minute. you to Doug. 
yeah it's very jarring like to go from like he probably won't last more than a minute or two after we take him off the ventilator to now it's like homeboy has dressed himself and he's ready to leave but in any event uh he gives uh, doug tries to give jad his beeper slash home number to call him at any time because he wants he feels some level of responsibility with this he wants to to follow through with it but jad wants no part of it basically in so many words tells him to go fuck himself and goes to leave uh but katie does take it as they go to leave so uh but this is the last that we will see of jad and katie and mom so won't won't get any like last minute follow-up on this we are just left to assume that they made it off to mexico and had their happily ever after uh, but he does leave his mom behind so presumably that might be the last time his mom ever sees him who knows yikes um then we see jerry bought out a bunch of cake from the cafeteria for the nurses and they're all dancing around at the admit station because they got their new contracts and everybody's just having a gay old time and we find out that carol's not there to celebrate because it turns out she ended up going home before lunch hmm Hmm. 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 what's carol up to hmm doctor things that's what she's up to dun dun um then uh next up we have our next audio clip for you uh it is a bit longer it's a little over three minutes but honestly it's just uh, it's too good it's too heartbreaking it's too uh, i just i love i love this mom i love it's louise's mom she won't sign the surgical release and she wants to take her home thanks I just dropped off all the paperwork with Nina Pomerantz, so Louis should be on the transplant list tomorrow. All we have to do is wait and hope. Where's your brother? In the lounge, watching TV. She won't sign the release. Louise's mother, she won't sign the surgical release. Kaysen was just down here. She doesn't want Louise to have the transplant. Kaysen explained to her that Louise will die without the operation. Twice, then I try. She wants to take her home. Miss Cupertino, you don't want Louise to have the operation? I was uh, 41 when Louise was born, and I knew right away that something was wrong. I couldn't see Louise, but I could see the doctor. He was frowning and snapping his fingers over the little bassinet. And uh, they took her away before I ever got a chance to see her. And I thought maybe she died. Maybe that umbilical cord had gotten wrapped around her neck. Nobody told me anything. And then they put me in another room with mothers, with their babies, and I waited there for hours until the doctor finally came back, and he looked very sad. And he told me Louise was mongoloid. He said that I should put her in a, a state hospital and never, ever see her again. She will die if she doesn't have this operation. We all die, Doctor. Louise has been the light of my life for 37 years. God blessed me with this, this wonderful girl, and I wouldn't change a thing. I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm her whole life, just as she's always been mine. They're group homes, places where she can make friends 
enjoy life, even if it's only for a few more years. I went to a home 20 years ago when my husband died and I was afraid that if something happened to me, who would, who would take care of Louise? And there were women there like her with downs, wandering around half naked. They didn't even know their own names. I couldn't put Louise in a place like that. You want to save people, doctor? If my daughter dies, you lose. But I'm not afraid of death. Jesus is there waiting for us to hold us and bring us into the light to show us the kingdom of heaven. And if Louise dies before I do, I know where I'll see her next with the angels where she belongs because she's an angel. My angel. So basically what that the whole like the whole summation of that whole interaction is that um, if anyone over the last 45 minutes had bothered to ask the mother what her thoughts were on the whole situation, uh, we could have avoided all of that. <laughs> like Doug, did, I mean, uh, Mark didn't need to go talk to Nina like like because she never wanted her on the list in the first place. She never never wanted her to have the operation in the first place. So why did we do all that like and you notice or maybe she came to the realization as she was being treated well, here today. but if you look but if you look though at no point does anyone actually consult the mother like no one That's ever true. goes and asks the mother what her thoughts are on this whole situation she just sits in the corner like a porcelain doll until we get to this scene right here and then she spills her guts that she's like no i don't want her to have the surgery because i don't want her to blah 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 blah, blah. so it's like couldn't we have avoided this whole thing if you just had a conversation with the, you know, guardian person of this patient to begin with? It just struck me as funny. But it's it's amazing how often communication would fix so many. It things. really would. Yeah. And also too, like I just listen, especially now listening on that clip there, she sound this actress sounds so much like the old lady from Titanic, doesn't she? Like the, the old version I could of hear. I could Kate Winslet. Yeah. Like she just had that same sort of cadence to her voice. I'm sure that kind of women, actresses of a certain generation, there was probably a training thing that like was ingrained a little bit. So they probably, a lot of them sound like that, but just kind of kept reminding me of that. It was a really powerful scene in the moment, but listening to it over the audio clips, I'm terrible. And I just kept hearing the lip smacking noise. <laughs> and that's, it really took me out of it. I really struggled to hear the emotion behind it on this one. It It is very emotional. I mean, it's like I said, I think because we've spent so little time really getting to know the mother and getting to know her motivations and her background and everything. Like I do, it, it does sort of feel like it comes out of left field and is just like, like we've been told by other characters that she doesn't want the, uh, she doesn't want Louise to end up in a home, but we don't, until now we haven't gotten any of that directly from her. Like she hasn't voiced any objections until now. She's barely talked before now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, it doesn't hit the way that it could or should. I think it's good, but it could be so much better. I think. And, and I just want to point out here, like we talk about, you know, Oh, homes are so much better today. Blah, blah, blah. We've come so far. You look at, this was 97. Louise is 37. She would have been born in 1960, and in 1960, they diagnosed her as a mongoloid. 
Yeah. Oh boy. Like. Yeah. Look, a look how far we've come, and b look how far we still have to go. Yeah. And you think about too. She she like, says that the the experience that is driving her wanting or not wanting her to end up in a home was from 20 years ago in 1997. Right. So that means she was visiting a home in the late 70s, which is like prime like one flew over the cuckoo's nest era yep you know so i i totally get where she's coming from if that's the experience she's drawing from and that's that's the visual most of us have i think when we think about any of that certainly at that time is we yeah like no so i just wanted to point that out like just you want to talk about medical history and a timeline it's true and that's so now looking at it now it's um we're what I can't do math. We're 61 years away from that at this point. Mm-hmm. That's just bonkers to me. So then we go from there uh, to the surgical suite where we see Shirley. We actually get to see Shirley in full like face view. No surgical mask or anything. Like, hey. uh, shocked that Carter is going to be doing the embolectomy procedure. And <laughs> we see Benton. What this, this is, you were right, um, Lauren, this is where we see Benton walking the students through the Portacath procedure in a very droll, very dry manner, which is just A plus work from Eric LaSalle. Very, very good uh, comedic stuff from him here. And he finds out Carter is going to be doing a fancy surgery in the other room. And he does the best, like, Russell Crowe with a pirate hat on look. Yes. Of, like, <laughs> looking through the window. <laughs> like, I was just trying to think of what meme made the most sense for that, and you nailed it's it. So, Cause like, I, what am I missing out on? I was going to reference one, but this will only make sense to Lizzie and I. Tilly through the, through yes. the annex window. Yes. Kitten Academy on YouTube. Guys, go check it out if you need a ray of sunshine. Please. Yeah. Just Benton, just like, you will do hundreds of, the proce- of these procedures in your, in your, during your internship. Check and make sure the pathway is clear. <laughs> check your... Yeah, he just someone, so... Someone smash my face yeah. against the wall, please. <laughs> It's you're right, Daniel. Just perfect from Eric LaSalle. Like I forget how good of a straight man he is for this kind of stuff. Then uh, go over to our next audio uh, for you. Uh, Mark is doing charts in the lounge and watching the Bulls while Doug walks in. It's a score. Bulls are down by one. Oh, nice shot. So I let. Uh... Kid with a CF leave the hospital today. He's 18 years old. Went off to die with his girlfriend. Didn't want any of my help. Is there anything you could have done for him? No, not really. I spent the day trying to get a CHF patient with Downs on the UNOS list for heart transplant. Good luck. Mother wouldn't sign the surgical release. Find a couple of doctors we are. Remember when we were going to change the world? No, I was always in it for the money. <laughs> All right. I'll see you later. You want to grab pizza? No, I can't. I got to be someplace. Anybody I know? No, just helping out an old friend. See ya. I love how they both just own up to the shitty day they've had. Yeah. And just like, ah, oh, fuck, we messed up. Find a couple of doctors we are. <laughs> 
I want you all. So I want good. the audience to know that I tried very, very hard to be pedantic and stupid about this, and tried very hard to like look at the screen and figure out who they, who the Bulls were playing, and whether or not it was historically accurate <laughs> to February of 1997. But uh, you'll be happy to know that I was not able to figure out what team they were playing because they never showed the score, and they do show a brief close up of the back of one of the players opponent's backs but it's it, all i could see was that it was a blue jersey i couldn't read the name but could be the pistons you didn't you didn't bother to look up every single team in 1997 that was wearing blue you jerseys know, to figure it, this one it, out it was an off week you know it could have been it could have been the knicks it could have been the pistons the warriors wore he blue uniforms back then like i he, he hasn't hit that level of unemployment yet that's <laughs> it that's that's at a year of unemployment yeah, exactly only that's at... that's months like 10 to 12 is when we hit that circle okay cool so like early season four yeah it's oh it's cool. coming <laughs> just just wait until we get to the live episode to start season four and they're actually oh. uh in the episode watching the cubs game that is happening live as they're filming the episode like wait until we get to that level of stupid patreon.com is last saying the tone podcast <laughs> uh then we have genie and greg are going out to their fancy evening they are going to the opera after all and Jeannie just says, you know, you don't have to prove anything to me and asks if they can actually slow things down. So although they shared a great kiss earlier after he propositioned her for sex, she's like, actually, you know, maybe maybe we maybe we step it down a little Jesus. bit. I'm not ready for this yet. He did. He did. Quite literally. He, he, yeah, no, he very much did. And he, he was very blunt about it. And, and very in, sweet. In a, yeah, in a very sweet but way about he it. He legitimately but. proposed sex to her. So, like, yeah. me saying he propositioned her for sex is actually accurate. But, yeah, she's just like, nah, fam, let's let's actually slow this down. I'm scared. So Sounds yeah. cheap. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. Not from Greg, it doesn't. That's that's fair. He is a beautiful man. Obama. So um, <laughs> Thank you to everybody who reached out about that clip, by the way. Daniel, if you cut this, this is fine. But thank you. All the feedback on that one stupid section of that episode made my day. Ah, uh, nothing but laughs here at saying the tone in the retrospective. Uh, Except but, when it's tears. Exactly. Um, so let's see what we get in the last two scenes of this episode. Uh, we have our, both of them are going to be audio. Uh, our first one is Doug is waiting for on Carol's stoop. Uh, to ask her how her how the MCATs went. Hey, what are you doing here? Waiting for you. You've been waiting long. Oh <laughs> wow. Well. Wow. So you took it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. And? Well, I knew a lot more than I thought I would. There were a lot of people taking it. Kids. Felt about a hundred years old. <laughs> They all seem so confident and smart. I guessed a lot. I bet you did great. Thanks. Was your day okay? Oh, you know, just saving lives as usual. Have you seen my mom lurking around here at all? No, I banged on the door and nobody answered, so. Well, you want to come in? I'll make you some coffee, uh, burn some eggs. No, I can't. I'm gonna, I'm up early, I'm gonna go home. Okay. All right. Yeah. See you tomorrow then. Yeah. Doug, mm -hmm. I know everyone's worried about me, but I'm fine. I mean, I, I was scared in that store, but I'm okay now. So why'd you go ahead and take it? The MCATs? Mm -hmm. For me? Just wanted to see if I was good enough. You are. Such a supportive friend. I am... 
I love the way that they're bringing them back together. And actually, they have such a healthy relationship right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, I forgot just the slow burn in which they bring them back together. After they stop having Doug be a creep. Yep. And actually, like, have him grow as a person a little bit. This, This is, I think, what Lizzie and I were so, like desperately banging the drum for back in season one when lauren was like does he really get better i don't know if he does and lizzie and i were like yes he does just hold out for it i think this is kind of what we were talking about i knew he got better because i've seen the series but it was god i can't imagine him getting no right because of how shitty he was back going back and putting myself you know going back and listening to literally every episode we did in season one again like it reminds me that like it it there was a there was very much a time where it felt like he wouldn't or or it felt right. like if he did it was going to be like lizzie said like just a flash in it and it happens you know like they were just gonna it wasn't gonna feel earned and they've successfully managed to make it feel earned and that's a, i think a really stunning achievement considering where he starts in season one to where he is now yeah, he's probably. I, I would say maybe of anybody, any of the main characters thus far, short of maybe Carter, he's got probably the most developed arc of any character thus far. Are we, are we gonna say? I'm just I'm just gonna call it right now. Season three, Doug Doug's art Doug's blah, 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 blah. season three Doug's season. It's Genie's tough to beat. Uh, Genie yeah. is okay, tough okay. to beat. Okay. It's- in the in the yes, non genie category, like because as far as I'm yeah. concerned, you know, spoilers for the wrap up in a few weeks. I think MVP of the season is Genie's to lose. Well, yeah. but I think if you know if you just take her, if you just LeBron James her and say, okay, like let's let's talk about let's talk about the rest of the league except for the best we player, ha- um, then Doug might take that spot. We we may have to do Genie wins and then who's coming in yeah. second. We may have to just do that. But yes, it definitely felt like we would never get to this spot. And now I'm so excited for them to get together. Yeah, I just because I don't remember exactly like when they start like being a couple again. Like it's got to be soon. Yeah, I think it's towards the end of this season. But I think there are a couple of like stops and starts with it, too. Like I don't it's definitely not like they get back together and then happily ever after forever after that. Yeah. Because they have the twin. Because Carol has the twins for a while after Doug leaves the show. Yeah, yeah. There's and I think they're broken up at the time, like. Because there's that weird almost Luca. Yeah, there's definitely the weird almost collage yeah. thing when he first pops in. Which God, that's gonna be so weird. I'm not excited to relive that again. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You. I. It blew my mind. It just blows my mind that Kovach and. Carol, Carol are on run. the show at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're when that when that bleed over starts to happen between late season and early season people, it's going to be real weird on this show, guys. Yeah. But interesting weird. So, stick with yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's round out this episode with uh Benton talking to Hicks in one of the operating rooms. I love this place. You should. You're a wonderful surgeon. You belong here. You know you were right this morning. I haven't slept much the last few months since Kent's dying. And before that, me almost killing that baby, and then Keaton not recommending me, and... (laughs) Six months ago, I thought I was invincible. And now, I don't even... I don't even know. I guess life isn't... Working out the way I thought it would. 
You're not responsible for Dr. Gant's death, Peter. Yeah, but I could have stopped it, maybe. You know, told him he was doing well, encouraged him. You know, Dr. Hicks, I wish I could tell you that it was all intentional, that it was a part of some master plan that I had going on, but truthfully, I never even thought about Gant. I mean, he was just an intern, and I was more involved with my career, my ambitions. We all have to find our own way, Peter. You're not invincible. You're a young doctor, learning, making mistakes, saving lives. It takes a lifetime. You just have to have faith. Go home. You've got a busy day tomorrow. More circumcisions and portacats? Oh, no, I've signed you up for a lap coley at six, and I'd appreciate if you'd assist me on a splenectomy at eleven. Thank you, Dr. Hicks. You're welcome, Peter. See you in the morning. I have to say it again. I've said it over and over, and this won't be the last time. I love Hicks. She's one of my favorites, and I'm so sad that we're going to be seeing her go, because I good know. God, she is everything Peter needs in a mentor. Uh, I love the way she talks. Like, I love her, her yes. like, airy, like, lap coley. Like, she's just so, like, she's so, like, I don't even know what the word is for it, but it's, like, she, ethereal. Yeah, she's just, like, dripping the words into the sentence. Like, she's not saying them. You just, when she says, like, you just have to have faith. Yeah, she's... It's so soft. I just... Mm, I want her to be my life coach. Like <laughs> Everyone needs some. Little, everyone needs a little more CCH Pounder life coaching yeah, in their can, lives. I just need to, like, find her on Instagram and follow her and just have her soothe me. <laughs> she's what we needed in 2020. That that would have fixed yeah. everything. I'm glad she's not gone yet. So. Yes. Both, both, I thought you I meant know, in both real in the life. show <laughs> and in real, in real life. Yeah, no, she. Yeah. I was like, was that in concern? She, she appears it. to be oh, just fine no, from no, following no. her on Instagram. She seems Ooh. to be just fine. Yeah, sure, she's happy and healthy. So, Ooh. so far, we only know of one uh, ER cast member that has gotten COVID. Yes, but he's oh, yeah. okay. That's, but he's I forgot okay. about that. Friend of the Frank. show. Yeah. <laughs> Troy Evans. Uh, Lumpy face. So I like this one. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I wasn't sure with how heavy the last few have been, how this one would feel kind of going back to the norm, but it was, it was a nice smooth transition and it actually, it, it, it went down easy. Yeah. It's, it's a good, like, let the pressure, like dial back the pressure valve just a little bit and let things breathe for an episode. Um, the only thing I will say in, in like, not even criticism, but just like, I would have liked them to explore it a little bit more and maybe made it a little bit clearer is Carol's um, Carol's uh, arc in this episode, I feel is a little bit muddled um, mm-hmm. in that we're not really sure. I mean, I, I get that it's like a, cumul- a, a cumulative effect of a lot of different things or several different things. Um, but especially like at the end there, when she talks to Doug, um, she says, you know, like, oh, I know everybody's worried about me and I was really scared in the store and blah, 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 you know, referencing what happened in the previous episode, but it's never really made a hundred percent clear what it is she's really coming back from or what it is people are concerned about her for, whether it's the suspension or whether it's the events of last episode or like, it's just never really fully fleshed out as far as what, 
what it is she's supposed to be overcoming in this episode and and is it the you know the anxiety about the MCATs or coming back into this job that she's been suspended from and it's just something about her arc in this episode to me doesn't feel fully developed my assumptions are that it's from the hold up and that it's nobody knows about the MCAT so it would be her suspension I think it's I think those would be the two would be the hold up and her coming back to work. Yeah, I mean those make the most logical sense, you know, but it just some something about but, the way it's it's portrayed doesn't add up to me and doesn't just doesn't feel fully developed as a story, but you know, it, it does the, the overall episode I don't think suffers too badly from it. I think it's just a minor gripe in an otherwise pretty solid episode. You know, it's it's not going to knock your socks off. It's not going to be one that is particularly memorable like i don't think it's going to be one when we get to the end of the season we're going to like highlight oh man do you remember how great faith was it's like i mean it was all right. it was good you know i'd give it a solid yeah, b it, it did what yeah. it needed to do nothing inherently wrong with it but nothing like especially it's nothing especially memorable yeah like, no no goddamn whiplash yeah. and they handle louise perfectly yeah that was that could have been such a shit show with how they've handled some other yeah, stuff very tactfully handled but... there and you get good little little character moments in here too. Like you get, yeah. uh, like I liked Mark and Doyle as a pair. That was mm-hmm. a really strong um, little tiny thing there. Anspa's little wrinkle was really nice. <laughs> uh, Benton getting to be funny without having to rely on Carter doing pratfalls in the background. Really nice. Like it's there's little tiny character moments in this episode that you can really uh, latch onto and enjoy. Um, so yeah, for that it's definitely it's it's as as good as you can ask for from a, a middle of the season episode. Benton finally talking about his feelings. I know, a little right? Bit. Yeah, let's little bit. Let's it out just a little bit. Anything but, else, kids? Uh, no, I just I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this one coming off of the robbery last week. Yeah, two weeks ago, last week, last, last week. week. Oh my god, it's there's so many episodes. <laughs> we're getting there though. We're com- we're actually getting ready to start in, going into the home stretch, like. We're, I think there's 22 in this season, so uh-huh. like we're, we're close. There. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture at that moment as well as monthly movie commentaries where we will watch and talk about a movie featuring an er cast member we would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts we are at set the tone er on twitter we are on facebook at facebook.com slash the tone podcast and we are at setting the tone podcast on instagram our theme music is provided to us by andrew edwards of blue police box music and daniel where can folks find you at they can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. There's lots of cute cat pictures. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Ori and the Blind Forest. New episodes of that are out every Friday. You can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.